0: Today's episode may not be suitable for children under 12. Parental discretion is advised. Thank you for listening to the Story King podcast, where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. I'm your host, John Carlo, and today we're going to be talking about two movies, El Camino and Yesterday. So as I said, we're going to be talking about two movies, El Camino, which is available on Netflix and it's really exclusively for Breaking Bad fans, so if you're not a Breaking Bad fan, you can totally skip this one. If you are a Breaking Bad fan and you haven't seen the movie, you're probably going to want to shut this off because there's going to be a lot of spoilers as uh, we're going to be breaking the movie down. And then the movie Yesterday is Danny Boyle's latest movie. He's the one who directed Slumdog Millionaire. So, a very talented director. So, we'll see what we think of this movie. First, El Camino. Again, that's exclusively available on Netflix. If you're a Breaking Bad fan, first of all, I definitely encourage you to check this out. I didn't even realize the movie was a necessary thing to do, but after watching it, you do come to the conclusion that it rounds off Jesse Pinkman's character arc and there were some things that they just didn't resolve at the end of the show. If you'll remember at the end of the last season, Jesse Pinkman is basically a a slave for these bad dudes that Walter uh, sold him out to. You know, there wasn't a whole lot of redemption other than the fact that Walter helped rescue him at the very end and you just see... Jesse driving down the highway after he escapes his imprisonment and he's just screaming and, and that's sort of the last time we see Jesse Pinkman. So El Camino picks up from that point. One of the reasons why I think this movie was necessary is because it shows Jesse's journey to a new life. As the series Breaking Bad went on, you grew to hate Walter more and more as his character just devolved into to the devil that he became. But Jesse, you grew to like more and more. You know, he he started out weak and he got stronger and you, you wanted good things to happen for Jesse. But as you might imagine, you can't just be tied to this drug organization, have all this information and be wanted for all sorts of crimes and think you're going to go home and live a normal life, get a job at Target or something. So, the first place Jesse goes is his friend's house. Skinny and Badger are there, they're playing video games. And they put him up for the night. He Jesse's completely out of his mind. He passes out on the couch and then uh, the next morning they're watching the news. Police know Jesse's alive and now they're searching for an El Camino that went missing from the compound of where he was held in captivity. Hence the title of the movie. So Jesse's first instinct is to get rid of the El Camino. So he calls his junkyard friend, who destroyed uh, the trailer that they made the meth in in the first season. So the guy comes over and he discovers that the car has a low jack and it's just been activated, which means that the police have found where the car is. That guy takes off and now Jesse has to figure out what he's going to do with the El Camino. So Skinny comes up with this idea that they should all just switch cars. Skinny will take the El Camino. So when the police come, they don't find Jesse, they find Skinny. And there's not much to do with Skinny. And by the way, one of the reasons why you like Jesse so much is he's never completely given himself over to the dark side, for lack of a better term. You know, like Walter completely goes there, you know, but, but Jesse, he values life. They always show that with uh, the beetle. He'll find a beetle on the ground. They, they did it, I think, in the first season and they did it in this movie too. And he just sort of lets the beetle crawl on his hand and then he, uh, he lets it live. And that's sort of how uh, they show that Jesse's really not a killer, you know, he doesn't really have it in him to to kill. He does it and he has done it throughout the series, but it's it's not who he is and he's never given himself over to that. What happens is you find yourself getting frustrated with Jesse because since Jesse's such a nice guy, he's sort of always being taken advantage of, he's weak-willed, he's easily manipulated, especially by Walter but uh, even by his last uh, enemies as well, the guys who kept him in captivity. So, and this movie tries to remind us of that flaw of not taking out people when he needs to and how it always backfires in his face. So, this movie does a really good job of showing that flaw that Jesse keeps returning to. But long story short, Jesse knows that his captor, who's now dead, Um, hid some money somewhere and he knows where he hid the money. It was in his apartment and they show this whole scene where Jesse's captor killed his maid and he's getting Jesse to help uh, bury the lady and the only reason he killed her is because she found some hidden money and that was enough reason for that guy to kill her. So, he tells Jesse that now he has to get a new hiding place. He doesn't tell Jesse where the hiding place is for the money but that it'll be right there in the apartment. So Jesse knows there's money in the apartment and he goes over there to find it. But there's a problem when he gets to the apartment. He has company because others know that there's money in the apartment as well. And he finds out that the guy there, who's dressed like a cop, by the way, Jesse doesn't know that it's not a cop yet. um, It turns out to be the welding guy, the guy who actually built... The steel contraption that Jesse was tied up to and forced to make meth in this underground place where he was held in captivity and he finally recognizes uh, the guy's face so now you have this symbol of evil in Jesse's life where there's this guy who represents his captivity basically the last guy alive that represents his captivity the guy who built his prison they ended up splitting the money that they that they found and since Jesse knew where the money was, and he's the one who found the money first, uh, the guy lets him live. So after this, Jesse finds the vacuum repairman. And this guy is the one that Saul used to get a new identity and to be hidden. That's what this guy does. That's his That's his shtick. So Jesse wants to go there and uh, be hidden as well. So the only problem is is that Jesse doesn't have enough money. So now, instead of uh, $125,000, which is what it would cost for this man to hide him, he has to pay him $250,000 because he owes him $125,000 from the last time he was going to be hit by this guy. And even though uh, the guy didn't have to hide him, he went through the trouble of being ready to do it and Jesse abandoned post and didn't do it. So the guy still wants to be paid for that. So now he wants 250000 Jesse almost has it, but he's $1,800 short. So he gets the idea in his head to confront this welder because the welder got the other part of the money from uh, the apartment. So Jesse finally gets the opportunity to be the badass guy that we all know is inside him. So Jesse goes there to confront the last symbol of his captivity. And the two of them actually have a duel to see who's going to... Uh, get shot first so Jesse obviously wins and the movie ends with him having enough money for himself able to be hidden with a new identity he's going up to Alaska and Jesse's character arc basically rounds up and we have hope for him so instead of him just driving deliriously down a road after his escape in the last episode of the last season um, now we know that he's going to start a new life somewhere, which is what we always wanted for for Jesse Pinkman, and we didn't get it in during the series. So, this movie was a nice uh, conclusion to that. So, if you're a Breaking Bad fan, I love the movie. I think it was actually necessary. I didn't think it was necessary before I saw it. I was fine with the Breaking Bad series. I thought it was a great series and even with Jesse's ending there were questions unanswered but that was to be expected so I didn't mind it but after watching this movie it really really satisfied a lot of uh problems I had with with Jesse's character it's a great movie I definitely encourage you to check it out if you have Netflix and you're a Breaking Bad fan now moving on to the next movie I saw which is Yesterday that's Danny Boyle's film Again, if you haven't seen yesterday, I would stop listening to this episode. There's going to be a lot of spoilers as I'm just going to be breaking down the movie, what I liked, what I didn't like, but I'm basically going to be talking about specific scenes. So, if you haven't seen the movie, just go ahead and shut this episode off and watch the movie. Then you can come back to it. But basically, this is a charming fantasy. Um, I'll give you the premise. First of all, The it starts off with the protagonist Um, Being a failed musician, he's doing these really lame gigs. He's not getting his dream accomplished. You know, it's just not happening for him. He's not good enough. There's also a love interest, but we don't really know that it's a love interest. Uh, It's his manager, actually, that he went to school with. He grew up with her. and, um, And he sort of takes her for granted. So, that's all part of the initial setup. Then the inciting incident comes along. Power goes out for 12 seconds globally. So, when the power comes back on, history is completely changed, but only a little bit. There are certain icons of pop culture that are just missing, like Coca-Cola, for example, but most notably, the Beatles. The Beatles don't exist when this freak electrical accident is over. However, it still exists for our protagonist. He happened to get into this accident at the same time that the power went out. He got hit by a bus while riding his bike, and he's he's not aware that the Beatles don't exist. He sort of slowly learns this, as is, he mentions Beatles songs, and his friends just have no idea what he's talking about. So when he realizes that the Beatles don't exist anymore in anybody's mind, he decides to take all the Beatles songs and, and write down the lyrics. And he has this whole idea that, okay... I'm going to just say I wrote these songs, and now finally, I'll be able to be this uh, famous musician. So, as a result, he becomes the biggest star ever, but now his love interest, uh, she really doesn't have enough pull anymore to continue being his manager. He's, he's being signed to a major label and so forth. So, he basically ends up leaving England and coming to America to, uh, to be the famous star that he's always wanted to be. His dilemma basically is fame or love, his dream or his love. When he gets to America, they further deepen the faithful decision. His manager basically says, asks him if if he wants to drink the poisonous cup of fame. She says something like that, and and he says yes. So there we go again with uh, him constantly choosing this. He's he's got a little more doubt at this point, but um, but he still chooses to go with it. And somewhere towards. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the midpoint of the story, but but it's towards the end of the the middle of act two. He's confronted by two other people that also remember the Beatles and they kind of show these people throughout the movie, but you don't know who they are so you're thinking maybe it's one of the, the wives of the one of the Beatles or something. But they actually turn out to be just two other fans of the Beatles and they've been following him and when they confront him he thinks he's going to be arrested but actually they're so happy that he's even doing it because they can't sing and they say something like, you know, the world without the Beatles is an infinitely worse world. They're just happy he's making the songs at all and they give him this piece of paper and it turns out to be the address of John Lennon only John Lennon is not the John Lennon from the Beatles because in this alternate reality the Beatles never existed, John Lennon was never killed and he's just some regular guy and he talks to him about life and love and that's sort of the help he needs to choose love over fame and he wants to go get his love interest back, the one who is his original manager. And My wife had a problem with this story and I I think she was right but she felt that the protagonist basically didn't show any signs that he loved the girl, you know, and he kept leaving her and she kept following him and showing up where he was, but he didn't really seem all that interested. Now, later on in the film that changes and he realizes he does love her and that he would rather have her love than the fame that he's uh, garnered from this lie. However... They did a really weak job at, at showing that, that he loved this girl, that it was something that he was just like discovering as a new thing. And that, that was, uh, we felt, kind of poorly done, you know, instead of just making it like more of a dilemma that he loved the girl, but he had this dream and it was this constant struggle. That would have been a more interesting film. Despite all that, despite the uh, problematic love component of the story, I still really enjoyed this film. I thought it was fun, I thought it was light, and uh, it was just really enjoyable. So anyway, I'll be doing more movie breakdowns like this in the future, and I definitely want to talk about uh, the movies that will be up for Oscars in the next couple of months, so look out for that episode in season two. Also, if you yourself have written a story you'd like me to read on the show, please email it to storykingpodcast at gmail.com. If I like it, I just might read it. Try to keep it between one to 3,000 words, though. I do enjoy speculative fiction if you want to win me over, but I won't tell you what to write. Good story is a good story no matter the genre. Again, that's storykingpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to be a part of what we're doing on The Story King, please consider becoming a patron. You can visit my page at www.patreon.com forward slash King. The link will be in the show notes. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a very practical and tangible way to support your favorite content creators so they have the resources they need to continue producing more content. I have three monthly subscription tiers you can choose from on Patreon, a $5, $10, and $20 option. Any of those will give you immediate access to the Story King Podcast Exclusive Edition. You get an autographed copy of every book I release at the $10 tier, and with the $20 option, you get all of the above, but fellow writers also get to promote their own work on The Story King and will even be interviewed on the show. Please consider becoming a Story King patron and get access to all the exclusive content. You can check out the details of those subscription tiers on my page, patreon.com forward slash King. Please follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. The links are in the show notes. And thank you for listening to The Story King podcast where great stories are read, discussed, and given their due honor. Please join us next time. Until then.